Thanks for tuning in to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to all the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we're taking a trip to Willy's Wonderland. Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> if you haven't seen the film starring Nick Cage, we highly suggest that you do so. It's Get a in fucking, the fucking trip. Cage. Uh, we're reviewing the film and then sitting down with the creator of Willy's Wonderland, Geo Parsons, for an in-depth interview. Plus, Shudder's 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments of All Time Episode 1 airs this week, and oh, we yeah. already got to check it out, so we're going to talk about it. And we're going to get baked, and hopefully you are too. All that and more today on High, High on, on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. We're going to start this episode off like we do every episode and get baked. This is kind of the pregame segment of our show where, you know, before we get into the real juicy stuff, it's time for Strain Wreck, the segment of our show where we discuss which strain we're getting wrecked on in each episode and discussing current events. Before I get started, John, what are we smoking? Got some of that blackberry punch. Oh, okay. We've had this before, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've had it. It's been a while. It's uh, 18% THC. Uh, I got a little more information last time. I don't even think we probably even talked about it. We're probably too high. <laughs> but uh, surprising, you might uh, find out that this uh, flavor and aroma is berry. Oh, well. Uh, might be surprising figure. for blackberry punch. <laughs> uh, it's very calming. I mean, I'm always calm. Uh, the effects are uh, happy, hungry, relaxed. Like we said, it has berry flavor and, you know, some other fruit. Uh, negative, some people have complained uh, of headaches, anxious, oh, okay. or paranoid, but uh, I don't think I've ever had that. Hopefully that doesn't kick in while but we're it's, recording. It's funny, it hasn't <laughs> listed as negatives, but uh, for what it helps with is 50% uh, of people said it helps with the headaches. So, like, either either you're going to get a headache or uh, it's going to help you headache. <laughs> I mean, you just got to smoke it to find out. It's been a long time since I've had a bad high from any type of weed that I've smoked. I'll be straight with you. Yeah, it hasn't been the weed specifically. It's been that I've smoked entirely too much and not drank enough water. So I <laughs> dehydrated <laughs> myself. I'm like, well, I got a headache. Oh, I smoked six bong packs, but I haven't fucking drank anything. It's like two hours. Dude, I'll do that sometimes too. I like, I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to get my morning wake and bake out. I'll smoke like two, three bloods and I'll be like, God damn, it's fucking, I've been smoking for like an hour and a half and I still have not had a sip of water yet. My throat's all raspy and shit. I totally get you. Um, okay, but, uh, Look, uh, so uh, late last week, we got our first look at uh, Jamie Clayton as Pinhead yep, for Hulu's yep. upcoming Hellraiser film on October 7th. And I got to say, she looks bad as she looks evil as shit. The Cenobites in this movie apparently have no clothes, and all of their clothing will actually be designs carved out of their skin. Uh, they're demons, right? They don't got time to get dressed. I just but got time to be horny. They're going full body, uh, full body mutilation. I can't get that out. They're going full <laughs> body mutilation dark with it. And uh, I think it's a fucking great idea. It's the, the right way to go. Maybe I was going to say, maybe I'm in the wrong horror groups, but then I was going to say, maybe I'm in the right horror groups. I'm surprised. I, I expected probably some portion to be like, oh, she's a woman. Not and not familiar with, you know, really the source material. Mm -hmm. But I haven't really seen too many of that, and I'm pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like when it was announced that a female was going to play uh, Pinhead, people were like, there up was in a arms. little bit of an uproar. But then when the first images came out, I thought that 
there was going to be more of that backlash but yeah well i think even doug bradley recently spoke out though at yeah. a con he said something i think about, i saw I think. something he said he, he kind of defended the film saying that like it was always like you know like a, the whole the whole story was trans and everything so like it's it's not like the movie's made now to, because it's sort of part of some movement it's trying to make some sort of statement or social commentary it's just actually being true to the source material which was just ahead of its time you know what i mean um but uh yeah, there's also another Cinebite called The Mask. That's uh, M-A-S-Q-U-E. Uh, it, lo- it looks right insane. There. I posted it on the Instagram earlier today in our, uh, in our story. Um, the plot, by the way, of this new uh, Hellraiser film uh, is about a woman who's addicted to drugs and finds the box and opens it. They're not remaking the original film because director David Bruckner said that there really isn't any way of remaking the first film, and I agree. So they're starting this reboot off with a fresh story. Well, Hellraiser Inferno, the fifth Hellraiser film, dealt with drug addiction, so this won't be the first time that drugs and the box shared the screen, but I hope it's good. You know, I want it to be good. Due to the source material, the novella, The Hellbound Horror by Clive Barker, I never had an issue with Pinhead being uh, female or trans female. Uh, and I said before, the masculine Doug Bradley is not the pinhead from the novella. So it's interesting, and uh, I, 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 I can't wait to see how it goes. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, can't be anything worse than three through the whole rest of them. <laughs> That's true. Not even the, the non-Doug Bradley pinheads. Just some of the actual Doug Bradley pinhead yeah, movies are sadly. just terrible. So, like, he's really, always, what, it can't hurt to try. Well, I was going to say he's good, just the right... I was thinking of part three. You, I... I know some people like three. Three kind of seems to be the dividing point. People either think one and two are good and the rest suck, or one, two, and three, and the yeah. rest aren't good. Yeah, but, but three is where they try to turn him into Freddy Krueger, and it's like, it doesn't they work. Tried to give, I was going to say his character sucks, but it's not really him. It's not Doug. Mm-hmm. Doug's problem. It's so much the writing. Yeah. He did a good job, but yeah, like I'm not a fan of. I don't like uh, Pinhead dropping one-liners or spitting out bullets or being funny. Like I like my I Pinhead mean, darkest even shit. The first one, he's got some one-liners, but that's some but good they're shit. dark. They're not yeah. like funny. They're not witty. You know. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, speaking, uh, you talk about Doug Bradley interview. Uh, want to bring up that interview we were we, we 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 were looking at stuff earlier this week. I think about it, the John Carpenter interview with the New Yorker. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. My man's took the whole interview. And the, the guy said, I'm pretty sure he was playing Xbox the entire time I was talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who was it he shit on? Coppola, Spielberg, and somebody else. Oh, he man. He called them, like, frauds or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was Because they asked yeah. him if he, like, hung out, and he was like, no, I hung out with the horror guys, like Toby <laughs> Hooper and George Romero. Yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah, I remember something about that. Yeah, like, how? I mean, that's cool, though. He played video games through an entire interview, though. Like. And as much as Carpenter's our favorite director, I think the other thing I like is I appreciate his honesty for his movies that have sucked. Like, he doesn't yeah. try to, like... Like, he talked about Ghost of Mars, and he said... The, the reason he got out of like directing and everything is he was watching a featurette that was being made for uh, ghost of Mars. And he looked at it and said, damn, I look old. Maybe <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this anymore. And he said, by the time he got done making the movie, he was just tired. And he was like, yeah, I'm too old for this. And they asked him, is this the last Halloween? And of course, John has the answer that we all know is true. He said, well, we'll see how much money it makes. <laughs> like, like, let's be honest. That's what's, that's a, that's, that, that is a worry. I'm so glad that you said that dude, because here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's, I tend to not, 
<clears throat> I don't hold my opinion above anybody else's, but I do know that like when I speak about things, I speak from it with it from an educational standpoint. I'm one of those people that I try to be very articulate and very accurate in what I say. And, uh, you just brought up the whole making the money, Halloween making money. And it just reminded me, I literally almost went on a tangent on Facebook because, uh, when it was announced that Halloween uh, ends was going to be on Peacock and in theaters, so many posts, on facebook on people on my timeline and in groups so many people posting oh halloween ends is gonna suck so bad they're putting it out on peacock they're putting it out on peacock it's gonna suck so bad well i guess the studio knows it's gonna suck like all these different you know like oh it's gonna suck like one of, one of them was my friend i'm not gonna name him but i literally saw a post and was gonna snap on this person for making the post and my friend commented it was a grain he's like yeah exactly kill sucked so bad that now they're just gonna give up on this one and just put it straight to uh, peacock because they have no hope in it making money and it's like you stupid fucks halloween kills made more money at the box office then scream five did and it was streaming on peacock for free the same weekend <laughs> yeah. when scream five wasn't it's not a fucking money issue nobody's nobody's looking at the movie and going oh it sucks so bad we're gonna let it stream no it's a contractual thing and halloween is still making enough money that they can afford to put it on a streaming service and at the box office because it's going to make so much fucking money so all this like shit that's going around about people saying like oh it's it's going to peacock because it sucks and you know they know it sucks no no, that's not what it is at all and like, so is that is that to say for everything so so prey like the new predator film that went to hulu because everybody knew that was gonna suck what about um shit what are uh what about um well that's your opinion <laughs> um the uh, that new fucking uh, jamie fox movie um i've heard about what the hell i, I watched I it it was really remember. good um uh, i can't remember the name of it it's on netflix um the new Jamie Foxx movie. It just hit Netflix. Day Shift. Day Shift. There you go. So you mean to tell me so oh, because Day Shift went to Netflix and didn't go to theaters that everybody knew it was going to suck? Like, so all these movies that hit these streaming services are hitting such services because the studios think they suck? Why is there some bias against Halloween where if Halloween goes to streaming, it's because it sucks? It's fucking bullshit. And it's people just automatically wanting to shit on the film. And that's going to cause it to get negative reviews because people are already going in trying to shit on it. And also, that's going to lead to Michael Myers coming back because everybody's going to bitch about how it ends and then fucking 10 years from now, somebody's going to come up with an idea and go, Halloween should have had a better ending. Let's do it again. And it's going to start all fucking over again. That's my opinion. Sorry for the rant. I kind of went on a rant there, but I was I, I got to vent finally. I had that on my chest for like a week, like listening to people bitch about some bullshit. It just it was Halloween and... It's like Batman. There's going to be somebody else that comes along with a different interpretation of it. <laughs> exactly. Some um, are going to be good. Some are going to be Rob Zombie. <laughs> oh, uh, or Joel Schumacher. Dude, See, I'll, I'll keep it going. Speaking of which, you'll like this. Uh, okay, so Odorous Urungus, the, the uh, now deceased singer of Guar, the original singer of mm -hmm. Guar, he had beef with Rob Zombie. And I read nice. this article and I thought, oh my God, I have to tell John I was going to text you, but I'm glad I didn't. I saved it for now. Actually, I just popped up, so I didn't really save it. It just was, now's the time to bring it up though. So Odorous Urungus, he fucking went on this whole tangent about how Rob Zombie sucks. He was like, he was like Rob Zombie, you know, his whole stage performance is like Dracula and Frankenstein. And he's like, that was original like a hundred fucking years ago, dude. Like he starts just ripping Rob about not being original. And he said that, uh, 
they asked him if he liked Rob Zombie's Halloween films, and he said they fucking sucked. And he said Hell that yeah. uh, he said he said he's like his wife can't act for shit, but he still puts her in everything. Right. He said he said that, that is nepotism at its finest. And those remarks got Guar kicked off of like the Mayhem Festival. Rob That's Zombie awesome. had Guar thrown off the festival, and they had beef ever since. Um, so Odric's youngest for the win. <laughs> I'm afraid this might. Yeah, I was gonna say it might get us in some hot water with certain people but fuck it i have rob zombie an apology oh shit really he is not the worst director in his own family (laughs) (laughs) i I love power man 5000 but allegory was not good at first like five minutes was good with that like scene but then the whole rest of it who cares? So, Rob, you're not the worst director in your family, so at least you got that. Maybe maybe we should have an award and send it to Rob Zombie. It says, not the worst director in your family. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he'd ever even open the box when it came. He'd probably just be like, what the yeah, fuck is this? Just be like, right, right on their uh, serious award, like Christmas story. <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious reward. Anyway, uh, it's probably time we move on. Bring back an old... Uh, old segment we haven't done in a while yeah that's right uh there's uh shutter's 101 scariest horror movie moments of all time so let's get into screaming room the segment of our show where we discuss which flicks or shows that we get sneak peeks of and advanced viewings all right yeah we're back with the screaming room here uh it's gonna be eight episodes the 101 scariest horror movie moments of all time uh, it's an eight episode, like I said, um, eight episode. It's going to be eight <laughs> episodes. Uh, the first one airs this week, Wednesday, September 7th. And it's made by the uh, producers who produced Eli Roth's History of Horror. And I know, I know, I don't, I don't want to get you angry mentioning Eli Roth. But the History of Horror, I found that entertaining. It's well produced, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it has, has master filmmakers, genre experts, and... Uh, at first, I, I didn't I didn't read that it was eight episodes, and I was watching the first episode, and I'm like, how in the hell are they going to fit the rest <laughs> of these moments in this episode and the next episode? Right, yeah, like a two 45-minute episode. Because I think there was another screener we got that was a two-parter, and I thought it was kind of like the same thing. And I yeah. was like, oh, okay. It's, But I feel like sometimes it's just randomly a movie is just given a whole bunch of time compared to like other ones. Like, I yeah. feel like... And this one, if I can't remember if it was like 100 or 99, and I'm like, this is just like the middle of the like beginning of a list, and like it's given a lot of time. We saw uh, Jennifer Reader on, yeah, that was cool. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, but, but but we had some Dracula movies. I think I think we've both agreed Christopher Lee best Dracula. Well, I said Christopher Lee. You fall argued said Bela Lugosi. What did I? Did I? Oh shit! Damn. Are you that high that you forgot, or or did I I switch you? Did you? Did I convince you? Maybe you convinced me. I mean, he does have the best meme (laughs) with the red eyes. Well, no, my thing with Christopher Lee is that. Bella Lugosi was more like, you know, uh, accent, more like... Uh, a little rapey. B- b- yeah, more like kind of like creeper, kind of like, you know, like it's gentle biting, where it's like... Why did I say gentle, <laughs> gentle biting? biting. Uh, no, yeah, it's like biting, and just kind of like almost like a romanticism to him, where Christopher Lee, like, he turns animalistic. He's running, he's like crawling he's across tables. He's crawling across tables, jumping over shit, like, cr- like hissing, like, you know, he, he just became more animal, more scary. I think, okay, so... 
We could argue, but I mean, uh, Peter Cushing got to be the best Van Helsing, right? Of course, no, Hugh Jackman, bro. Hugh Jackman, bro. No, no, definitely, definitely Peter Cushing, of course. Huge, huge, huge Jackman. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think that you know this uh, this this show is kind of a reboot of the 2004 show on AMC, 100 Scariest Movie Moments. It's uh, 18 years uh, 18 years later, and they up it to 101 now. A lot of horror <laughs> films have come out in that time, so you know a revamp does only seem one necessary. Of them is good to make the list. <laughs> yeah, only one of them. Um, but uh, I remember watching the first show, and it uh, it turned me on to a lot of horror films. I watched an American Werewolf in London because of it being featured on that show. That show hit me at the right time and age i feel like for uh maybe not people like you because we've talked your heart now just but maybe for people oh, like shucks. me that, that that have missed some things the i feel like the beginning of the list is going to be the good part because i feel like it's going to be a lot of movies and i'm like oh let me check that out off the top of my head i can't remember but like i remember watching i went oh i want to check that out oh off, oh. The, off the new one yeah oh okay but okay. I feel like it'll probably be more the movies that are on this outer list yeah. because they're going to be lesser known. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit. I feel like it's a more diverse list yeah. than 2004. Yeah. It just isn't all like mainstream. It's like they mix it in. They get a mixed bag of tricks. They're unbiased, you know, like, uh. Yeah, yeah, we've watched a couple episodes at this point. Well, you've we can only talk about the first. Yeah, but, yeah. I know, but I'm just saying, you know, in general, like the the genres, the I guess the subgenres that they've covered, I feel like have been a good representation of kind of everything in horror. Yeah, there's only been one movie that I've disagreed with being on the list so far, but it's in episode three, so I won't okay. mention it yet. I, but, I, I uh, haven't got the episode, but uh, yet. like I w- <clears throat> and sorry, also the, these are going to be out every Wednesday, starting this on Wednesday. the seventh. Yep, starting two days from now. Well, um, the thing is, I'm watching this show, and you know, I. Uh, I've seen every film that they've mentioned so far, everything new and everything old, and it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, I spent the last 18 years watching so many horror films and nothing's new to me. Like, I went from watching the first show where I was like, oh, shit, and picking up movies, and it was like, that just sent me down the black hole where I just was watching, 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 and now I'm watching the new version of the the show, and I'm watching every movie. I'm like, seen it, seen it, seen it. You know, my wife was disappointed because she had not seen four of them, and I'm like, yeah, she, I, was, I was like, I have heard of every one of these and seen them, so... I'm, I'm I'm waiting and hoping for that one movie that hits me with like bam and they're gonna hopefully one movie gets named that like I have put on the back burner that brings it to the front again where I hear about it on this show and I go okay I need to watch that but so far I have not I have not been I'm not saying I disagree I, I agree with the list but I've seen everything on it so nothing's new to me nothing has turned me on to any new suggestions there was a couple of uh, people on there talking uh, I was surprised about they had uh, Jonah Ray on there which I guess when you think about it uh isn't that surprising because they watch a lot of b movies yeah but i just didn't expect mystery science theater 3000 to be on there i know uh and and uh i really like how they uh have credible people doing the interviews you know like you mentioned a few you know like uh, mick garris uh jennifer reader like you said uh greg nicotero joe dante um i also like that they just don't list off scary movie moments like you were just like you said like you, you how you were wondering how it was gonna be wrapped up in just two episodes like it's not just like 99 or 101 
100, 99, 90. Like, that's not that. Like, they actually take a few minutes to discuss and analyze each film on the list and which moment and, they're choosing from it that's the scariest. And they mentioned some good ones, like my favorite, like my favorite Dracula movie, The Horror of Dracula. We both like it, Swallows. I mean, it follows. Um, the Orphanage, it's, it, Salem's I almost Lot. I said it swallows, but. So far, the show's off to a good start, man. Uh, it follows is a divisive. I think that's just as divisive as Baba Duke. You just got to be willing to give it a chance. It's just new. I don't and get what I, people I, dislike about it. I don't get why people don't like the Babadook either. I don't because it's like, even though the monster's not real, it, like the mom was real and the mom was the monster. So it's like, like it's, I don't know. People, I don't know. I, I th- Those were both, I remember, like people argued about the, like that was the big ones, Babadook and it follows and it was all over people saying they were good, people saying they sucked. I liked them both. And uh, the other person I was going to say that was, I did not expect to be on there uh joe lo uh truglia truglia oh I was yeah gonna say for the guy from brooklyn 99 yeah know, he's on a lot yeah and the other thing is you were talking about how they talk about the movie it's not just that it's i say it's i would say maybe it's less they discuss the movie but i feel like everybody talking sets up the scene that they're talking about agreed agreed so sometimes you just see the scene first or whatever but they give a lot of background as to what's happened in the movie to that point you know you know the effect it had right I, I i it's it's pretty well done yeah agreed um and uh and i mean who the hell doesn't like countdown shows i know especially when even if it's if, like that's the thing when you like horror like we because do like we the watch people it to be like do. no you're fucking wrong <laughs> <laughs> well no not, i was gonna say even if the, it's just fun to watch because even if you disagree with it or or even better if you do agree with it and you're just sitting there watching people talk about movies you love and moments you like in the movies. It's like even so even if there's nothing new like for me that I'm being turned on to, it's still like I still want to hear people talk about it follows. I still want to hear people talk about, you know, the horror of Dracula and hear like, you know, it being brought up. It's like it's it's comforting. It's like it's kind of like a comfort watch, you know, and, and I dig it. You're getting to watch your favorite scenes, like even if you don't disagree in the order, there's gonna be stuff you just get to keep seeing like scenes yeah. you love in movies just those scenes it's just yep uh don't even do like pauses i'm sick of the sound park we're gonna down. need a montage <laughs> <laughs> but i guess well. in this one there is more discussion it isn't just a montage yeah definitely it's kind of like uh going back even further the boogeyman dvd mm-hmm. where it was just like it was just kicking clips of Freddy, Jason, Michael, Chucky. Oh like, my god, I have that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was just like a just a compilation I was just of like pop just it kills. Because I'd be like, I get yeah. to watch like all the cool scenes. Seriously, that's something to get baked to, man. For real, <laughs> I'm actually gonna probably whip that out later. That should be a watch along. Us watching the bookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, for real. Um, all right, well, uh, look, man, take us into horror history, Johnny boy. Horror hiss. This week in horror history. All right, uh, you brought him up earlier, but uh, the OG pin had Doug Bradley mm-hmm. and uh, our favorite dentist, Corbin Burnson. Uh, their birthdays are on September 7th, which, uh, as a reminder, Shudder's 101 Scariest Horror mo- Movie Moments of All Time will be out <laughs> on September 7th. <laughs> cheers. But uh, so, so happy birthday to you, fellas. Yep, uh, also like on the seventh, the indie slasher by Adam Green, Hatchet turned sixteen. I can't believe the fucking movie sixteen years old already. Man, I remember hearing about this movie back in the day and uh, watching like two these like little two minute behind the scenes things, 
that they had on the Stars channel. Uh, I was hyped. Stars was like a parent company of uh, the physical media company Anchor Bay. You know this. Yeah, uh, I, I used to watch Stars all the time. Right. Old right. school, like Verizon on demand. I'd watch it on Stars all the time. And you know, Anchor Bay were legendary. They put out a ton of fantastic releases on DVD. Oh, for you sure. know, but they uh, they no longer exist. Scream Factory kind of took over where Anchor Bay left off. But anyway, I remember staying home from work so that I could go to the mall and buy a copy of Hatchet. And uh, I was hooked ever since. Adam Green really broke the mold here. He made a fake trailer for the film. And got funding to make the movie off of the hype that the trailer got. I mean, back in the 80s, they'd do that where they'd have like a poster made as soon as there was a title, but the script wasn't made yet. Adam did that with the, but he did it with a trailer. And a lot of people have tried it since and have been unsuccessful. And uh, not just Hatchet, but the whole rest of that series turned out fantastic. I agree. And, uh, you know, actually, Adam Green said that uh, if it all works out, there's two more Hatchet films in the making. And uh, right now, go ahead. I was going to say it's funny. Each time he announces a new one, I just kind of (sighs) go, we need another one yes I, i'm always apprehensive <laughs> about the next one and then it's it's fine yeah victor crowley was amazing you know but uh he said right now he's in the middle of some projects that he can't talk about and i was gonna ask you don't you hate that that's gonna come up later this episode too but it's like everyone says that everyone always says that they're working on stuff that they can't talk yeah. about and it's so frustrating because you want to know but imagine how they feel having to keep that shit bottled up and you know they'd love to talk about it if they could right? and uh herbert west himself jeffrey combs celebrates a birthday on the 9th and uh the exorcism of emily rose i think we probably talked about this last year on our uh our history but uh 17 this year yeah now that's, that's another I movie old. i can't believe that's 17 years old yeah Jesus. now i feel fucking old hearing that i was in high school when that shit came out dude oh man <laughs> you were in high school too we were both in the same fucking high school what, what am I year did about? it come out 2005 2005 i think i might have just been just been out of school just been out yeah but uh i've said it before we'll do an episode on emily rose i love it you love it our wives love it you know or you know it's uh it's my second favorite possession film of all time probably top three for sure we've touched on it here and there on the show and we could do a deep dive on it right now if we wanted to we could just say fuck it for carpenter come on the show but uh wilkinson (laughs) i'll save it for later scott derrickson love this fucking movie man yeah Anyway, on the 10th, uh, Malevolent celebrates its 19th anniversary. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, We did a whole episode on the trilogy. We talked with the director, writer, creator, Stephen Mena. Uh, that was one of our early episodes. And right away from the start, I remember he gave us one of our biggest compliments. He said, he thanked us and said that we asked him a bunch of questions that he's never been asked before. And I remember thinking, we're off to a good start <laughs> with this shit. But uh, yeah, so go, so go listen to that. Uh, also on the 10th, uh, Stir Echoes with the Bake Man, Kevin <laughs> Bacon, man. Philly Zone, uh, yeah. celebrates its 23rd <laughs> anniversary. I've uh, I've talked about this movie a lot on the show, too. It's phenomenal. It's one of Kevin Bacon's best performances. This is based off of the short story, A Stir of Echoes, by Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend and Hell House. If you haven't seen this one, you're missing out. Uh, there's a few really good scares in it that fucked me up when I saw it back in the day. Yeah, his books are usually good, but some of the uh, interpretations are not good. It's, mo- <laughs> it's, mo- it's mostly the ones around I Am Legend. <clears throat> I know, Vincent Price, The Last Man on Earth, is still the best one. Prove me wrong. I want to make a meme of that, like Vincent Price sitting at the table. You know, my uh, my version of uh, I Am Legend is better than Will Smith's. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Maybe maybe we can get a seance and talk to Vincent Price. 
No alopecia ball. You know, I don't mean any offense to Jada Pickett Smith. Just legit, no alopecia CGI vampires. You know, come right up in this podcast and smack the shit out of me. But no, like I I just don't like the whole like bald uh, CG vampires wearing rags. I don't. That's (laughs) no, didn't do it for me. I liked it when I first saw it in theaters, but I had no idea it was based on a book or anything like that. (laughs) When I saw it, and I was like, oh, now I get why people hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Anyway, I think that about wrap it up for the hiss. <laughs> for the hiss. For the horror hiss. Uh, now it's time to get into that PPA. Puff, puff, ask. Uh, re- you, the little people, write us in questions. <laughs> uh, no, you write up. You write us in questions through social media, high horror four twenty, like everything. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Email. Uh, actually, I don't think. No, like I said, I don't think we've ever got one question from TikTok. You can email us at highonhorror420 at gmail.com or through the website at highonhorror.com. Okay, this question comes from Lily from Georgetown, PA. Um, I swear a uh, few weeks ago somebody wrote in named Lily. Um, this one was sent in about two weeks ago, and I'm just getting to it. Um, Lily says, hey, Drew and John, what do you guys think of the current state of the box office? The invitation led the worst weekend box office of the summer this year. It came in number one with just $7 million. Ugh. Uh, do you think it's inevitable for theaters to become obsolete? And, uh, okay, my answer is they already are obsolete. It feels like if you stick up for movie theaters that people treat you like a snob or something. They think that streaming everything is the way to go and you don't have to pay like you do for, you know, movies. But that's wrong because, you know, you're paying for that monthly subscription to those streaming services that cost a lot more than movie tickets do. Yeah, I don't care if people think they're obsolete or not. I just fucking love movie theaters, dude. Like, that is like one of my favorite places to be it's just a fucking movie theater same it's good to, I it's, to clear my head and just it's one of my away. favorite all-time jobs just fucking smoking weed out back going to see movies find my old co-workers that <laughs> out back you mean in the theater oh well <laughs> yeah we did uh i mean i guess what are they gonna do come arrest me um and if anybody i used to work with there was some people that were anti-weed so if i for some reason you actually listen to this uh yeah, uh, I was smoking weed at work. And, uh, <laughs> the one dude who, who accused me, and I lied to his face. <laughs> oh, dude, I came in one time, and he was like, I know I'm getting off topic, but real quick. I came in one time. What I used to do was I would smoke out back, and then yeah. I had two of the other people bomb me with their cigarette smoke, so I'd smell like cigarette smoke going back in. <laughs> well, this dude, uh, he was like... He's like, did you just smoke weed out back? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you smell like weed. I'm like, well, no, I didn't. What do you want me to tell you? Like, I said, if you want me to say it, I will. He's like, maybe it's just your shirt then. He's like, do you smoke on the way here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, you need to be careful. No, I was high as shit. I just smoked out back. So. <laughs> he probably didn't listen to us anyway. If he does, what the fuck's it matter? Yeah, he, he don't but, have uh, that job anymore either, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think they'll become obsolete. Like... Maybe maybe they'll become fewer and far between. I mean, I still... I mean, I got you to end up signing up for it, but we have our uh, Cinemark... Yeah, movie pass passes. Thing, yeah. Our monthly passes. Oh. The thing pays off, man. Movie pass is coming back. I saw that. Uh, but it's only like... You can see five movies a month, and there's different tiers. Because people like me abuse that program. I'm still interested. <laughs> I want to see, you know, Mark Mark Wahlberg's working on a documentary about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to see that. But um, I just think, Pete, 
we're still dealing with post-COVID stuff. So, and I mean, there's some points in time where it's just a bunch of shitty movies come out at the same time that nobody wants to see. And it's just, or and the only good movies are movies that have been out for weeks. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, I don't even really heard of the invitation too much oh really it looks pretty good i was gonna go but see i mean it, but I, I mean I, I haven't heard of it too much saying that there wasn't like a whole lot of press behind it i wasn't yeah. getting ads for it online all the time and stuff like that okay but i mean you know so you're saying lack of advertisement could have led to the- i mean yeah and i still feel like some studios are holding back i mean i feel like we're getting more quote back to normal but i still feel like they're they're holding some stuff back I mean, they're, they're still pushing some movies back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think well, once it gets sorted out, I mean, but there's people like Nolan that, yeah, you can watch it at home. I still haven't watched it at home, but Dunkirk, like, I saw that in IMAX. I feel like there's absolutely no need for me to watch that, like, <laughs> at home. Like, that movie was built for a theater. You know, but uh, that's the thing, though. Everyone wants to push everything at home uh, and wants to watch everything to be, wants to push here, let me get my words together. Everyone wants to push to watch everything at home, and the studios are pushing for that too. Hence, HBO Max giving out Matrix Revolutions or Resurrections. I'm sorry, and Godzilla that didn't versus Kong. To be in a theater. Uh, you know, I, I I don't think that theaters were closed like completely, but like you had said, I do think they're going to be fewer and far between, and made more for like big events, like oh, the new the, the 17th Spider-Man movie's out, and there's going to be a bucket of pop, special bucket of popcorn with Spider-Man's mask on it that you can buy, like that type of shit, and. Uh, there will still be a need for theaters but not as many of them regal cinema one of the biggest they chains is on the verge of bankruptcy and they're like a leading brand it's a sad day for you know those of us those of us people out there who like going to the movies it's not looking good i was going to compare it to <clears throat> the video video stores yeah where like Dude, it that's just a ended good, up yeah. that there was just big retail chains like block i mean blockbuster is really the only one and like, because I remember when I was very young, there was like video stores everywhere. Mm-hmm. I had one at the end of my neighborhood. I had Blockbuster down the I mean, street. Blockbuster was one option of many, and instead it ended up becoming the only West Coast option. Video is where I remember getting our first videos, um, which is weird because it was Hollywood on Video. Hollywood Video was another <clears throat> one, and then I feel like that's what's going to happen is you're just going to see it shrink till it's like Regals. Uh, Cinemarks, maybe some AMCs, and you're gonna see a lot of the smaller independent theaters just kind of go away. Yeah, I mean, you'll I, still yeah. probably have some of those independent theaters like the Alamo Draft House and things like that, but they're independent, but they have a huge ass following, right? And they put on like big events and stuff yeah. to justify like the, the uh, I could see it possibly going that way, and we just have less movie theaters around, but I feel like there, I feel like even when we were kids here in Delaware, there was like a lot more movie theaters i mean and you brought up i can think there's like four or five different movie theaters i can think of yeah and now it's really just down in our area to like three or four and two of them are owned by cinemark yeah it's it's so like it's it's only like two brands of theater two brands of theater chains are around here and uh you know but i was gonna say you brought up a really good point with like the video stores it's like it's like uh you know uh streaming put fucking video stores out of business and now it's like streaming is actually gonna fucking be like put theaters on the verge of being out of business like streaming really took over man it's crazy 
And then I'm like, what's what's gonna? Is there anything that can come along the top streaming? Like, what's? Because I mean, like, I I used to be interested. I don't know. (laughs) Because like the funny thing is to me is I remember being a kid VHS, and then we moved over to DVD. Then I remember when Blu-ray was talked about, and I was like, oh. I wonder what, like, is going to come after Blu-ray, and then it's kind of, like, really nothing. It's streaming. So, like, there's always something to come along and beat that, but, I mean, in fairness, you know, physical media for video was around for, what's good 60 years was yeah. being dominant? Yeah. Anyway, that was long-winded for our first one. Took some roads, detours, <laughs> kind of my fault on some of those, but uh, we'll get into our second question, May it Creep. I hope that's only your name on Instagram. Uh, wrote in and asked, what do you guys think about the new Terrifier trailer? Are you going to cover it when it comes out? Um, I didn't even need to see the trailer, to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm already in. Um, we are going to cover it, but uh, like Drew said, now it's our turn to be the annoying ones. We can't really get into that. We yeah. don't know exactly when we're going to cover that. There's some scheduling things to get around, but wink, you know, wink. You know, when we do, it'll be worth we'll, it. We'll definitely let you know when we do, but maybe not when it first comes out. We'll see. There's a lot of, as the uh, as the dude said in Big Lebowski, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, and uh, but yes, uh, yeah, the trailer is am- <laughs> the trailer is amazing, <laughs> but like I didn't even need the trailer to be in. And I will say, that trailer has given us maybe the horror meme of the year of art and those flower sunglasses. Yes. I am seeing all yes. kinds of shit with that, <laughs> and they're all so good. Uh, the trailer looks great, man. I was uh, actually excited watching it. Like, actually watching it, I was excited. I was smiling ear to ear. And hearing the reviews, because it aired at the Arrow Film Festival, and uh, after hearing, like, literally everyone was like, even the negative reviews, okay? The people who did and didn't like it, everybody was saying that the film's extreming goes too far. And that just gave me a chub. I can't <laughs> wait. You know, like, I can gave tell you, a you chub? that the trailer strays away from showing you too much, but you see enough to know that it's going to be a fucked up movie, and that's what us Terrifier fans want. So, fuck yeah, we're going to cover it. And like John said, you know, and wink, you- wink, it'll uh, it'll be worth it. It might not be right away. You might have to wait a little bit, but, you know, it'll be a wor- it'll be uh, worth waiting for. That's the best I can say. And if you want to know what to expect, you can go back to our early episodes of when we first got started, our episode with David... Uh, David Howard Thornton, Fuzz on the Lens, Fuzz on the Lens, and I think Craig is like five or six. Yeah, we co- he, we had three episodes covering Terrifier. Not all of them heavily talk about Terrifier, but all of them, all those guests had Terrifier questions asked to. And you're going to learn a lot from them about Terrifier. I mean, even there's some things from our uh, Craig interview about Terrifier too, where he said that the uh, the taint sawing scene yeah. is like outdone in the new Terrifier film by like times a thousand or something. He said it's like absolutely. He said that the taint sawing scene is uh like child's play and speaking of that uh if you want to know if david howard thornton is in fact the first person to saw through a team in a movie uh, that is a question we did ask him (laughs) (laughs) i think that's enough for now um no well yeah that's it okay yeah Yeah, we're gonna cut it off here um let's talk about willie's wonderland now Let's get out of here. I can't stand to hear a grown man scream. Best line in the film. 
Normally, this is where I give you listeners a background on the film we're discussing with some in-depth facts and quotes, but I'm not going to do that this time because it'd be completely repetitive to the things that you'll hear in our interview with Geo Parsons in just a few minutes. We cover everything in this interview, and anything that I could say is there. (coughs) Um, But what I will say is that the janitor is a man of few words. He just gives you odd looks. Uh, You've seen Nick Cage do a lot of things, but have you ever seen him beating a mechanical gorilla with a plunger in a bathroom with a duct tape Nelly Band-Aid on his cheek? Hell no. (laughs) That's what you get when you watch Willy's Wonderland. To sum it up, director Kevin Lewis said that Willy's Wonderland is Pale Rider and, or I'm sorry, Pale Rider versus Killer Clowns from Outer Space. John, walk us through it. Willie's Wonderland is a 2021 American action comedy horror film directed by Kevin Lewis from a screenplay from our uh, guest today, Geo Parsons. And we start on an old remote country road. Nicholas Cage, who's credited as the janitor, has his car run over a spike trap and he gets a flat. He ends up stranded outside of Hayesville, Nevada. Mechanic Jed Love, played by Chris... Oops, I lost his name. Chris Warner... <clears throat> picks him up, and tows his car uh, into town. Uh, but the janitor is unable to pay for the repairs because Jed doesn't take cars, only cash. Uh, funny thing I just thought about, Beth Grant, who's in this film, we'll talk about her character shortly, but this is another movie she's in where a business owner refuses to take a card. Remember in Child's Play 2? You had Matson played by Craig German, tried to buy the vodka in the liquor store clerk, yeah, yeah, yeah. played by uh, Herbie Braha, yeah, going to take the gold card. Chucky's chilling in his backseat. He's like, yeah. this is a gold card. It's as good as cash. Not here, it isn't. <laughs> well, real quick, before you uh, move on, though, I did want to say, the because uh, it is brief, but the opening kill, before we see the janitor driving, the opening kill, I swear to Christ that the dude that you see like running from the animals in the opening kill was uh, Jorge Mazdaval. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember the guy? He had like the beard and the long hair with the pony, like the little man bun. I was like, yeah. Jorge Mazdaval about the uh, five-second flying knee of fucking Chuck E. Cheese animal? Yeah. But, yeah that, no. Ben <laughs> Wasn't it like eight seconds? Though? I don't know. It was five or eight seconds or something. But it's the quickest KO. He anyway, beat, uh, got our UFC talk out for the set for the. It beat Dwayne Dwayne Ludwig or whatever his name was record. <laughs> anyway, getting back to the film here, ex <laughs> owner Tex McAdoo, played by Rick Wrights, uh, offers to allow him to work as a night shift janitor at Willie's Wonderland, which was a once successful uh, family entertainment center, but now it's abandoned. It's like a dilapidated Chuck E. Cheese, basically. <laughs> Uh, so they'll do that in exchange for repairing his vehicle. Like we've talked about price gouging in this country, but they wanted a thousand dollars, not even including the tow. I forget what the tow price was, but that was a couple hundred for like a couple miles. Mm-hmm. So, and they want a thousand dollars besides the tow just to fix this dude's flat. Like what did these tire strips do? You're just taking the tire off and putting a new one on. <laughs> right. Like, how is that a thousand dollars? Give me a motherfucking used tire. If that's right? what you're trying to hit me with a thousand dollars. What? Anyway, so Tex and Jed leave them locked in the building, and that's where we get the line uh, you shared with us, Drew. And uh, yeah, that's definitely the best line in the film. Uh, meanwhile, teenager Liv Hawthorne, played by Emily Tosta, gets handcuffed after trying to burn down Willie's by. Well, she tries to burn down Willie's Wonderland, but she gets handcuffed by her guardian. He, uh, her. Did I say our guardian? No, her guardian. Okay. You were right. I thought I said ours. I was like, that's not right. She's not our guardian. I don't need a goddamn guardian. Anyway, she she tries to burn down Willie's, and she gets handcuffed by her guardian, Haysville Sheriff Elise Lunn, played by Beth Grant. 
When Lund leaves Liv's friends, Chris Mully, Kathy Barnes, Aaron Powers, Bob McDaniels, and Dad Lorraine, played by Kai Cadlick, Kaylee Cowan, Christian Del Grosso, Tara Lil Hill, I've said that one wrong, I know, and Jonathan Mercedes, respectively, come and release her. And, uh, oh, I'll just fucking move my notes everywhere. Give me a <laughs> second here. I fucked that up. As the janitor begins his duties, the restaurant's, uh, worn down and old animatronic mascots come to life. And we have Willie Weasel, who is, uh, performed by Yuri Stanick and voiced by Amoy. Artie Alligator, performed by Christopher Bradley. Um, Cammy Chameleon, performed by Taylor Towery and voiced by Matson Lee. And uh, we had your favorite, Ozzy Ostrich, performed <laughs> by BJ Geyer and voiced by Abel Arias. And Tito Turtle, played by Chris Schmidt Jr. and voiced by, again, Abel Arias. And Nighty Night, that was a good, that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, I like that one. I, li- I like the name. He's performed by Duke Jackson. Uh, we have the plunger, uh, victimy, Gus Gorilla. Victimy. He performed by Bill Bussey and voiced by Mark, uh, Gagliardi. There we go. And lastly, we have Siren Sarah, uh, who is performed and voiced both by Jessica Graves. And, uh, up first we have Ozzy attack the janitor. He said he was going to peck his face off. I'm going to feast on your face. <laughs> yeah. And instead, uh, the janitor beats the dog shit out of Ozzy with a mop. <laughs> the janitor was like, okay with him and just like going to leave him alone till, uh, he started to bleed and then he had to get that Nelly duct tape. <laughs> then after that, he just snapped that fucking broom and beat the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah he was shots pissed. where he was hitting him in the neck. Had that one died. little cheek scratch, that one little cheek scratch did it for him. So while that's <laughs> happening, uh, Liv and her friends douse the perimeter with gasoline and Liz decides to enter Willie's Wonderland through the vents to get the janitor out. And uh, meanwhile, the janitor's attacked again, this time by Gus in the restroom, the gorilla. Uh, and he takes care of him by curb stomping him on a urinal. <laughs> that, that, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that might be my favorite film, I think. Or favorite, favorite film. My, film. F- my favorite film. My favorite kill in the film. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I, I don't know. I Actually, I haven't thought about it. Um, actually, I don't think my favorite kills happened yet. I'll tell you when okay. you get through it in the plot. And in the vents, Liv is chased by Artie Alligator, but she escapes into a fairy-themed room where Sarah attacks her. And Liv manages to fend off Sarah, and she encounters the janitor, who ignores her uh, warnings about the animatronics and refuses to leave. I will say, um, uh, the janitor will take his breaks when that watch goes off, and you're not going to stop him. Not only that, but he goes right back to work after killing Ozzy the ostrich. Like it's like it's like he doesn't even question, like how the fuck did this dude just attack me and why did I have to kill it? He just does it and right. then just goes right back to killing. Like oh, you know, like he I got to make sure that place is clean. Yeah, and another thing, man, that's a lot to clean overnight. Like even if they were offering to, yeah, to, how, to fix my tire, there was five say, people in there, man. Like that's a lot. <laughs> Look, if they said I'll fix your tire, it's gonna be a thousand dollars and plus. And you know, but we'll take care of it if you clean. I would have walked in and be like, "Nah, I'm not gonna get this done in one night by myself. Like it's too much cleaning." But this dude's just, you know, the janitor's. I don't know. He's cool, man. He just doesn't give a fuck. And uh, I was talking to our friend Kenny about the movie. I had him watch it recently, and he said the other thing he liked is that the animatronics respected the 15 minute break. 
<laughs> That's a very good point. Like when he went in to That's play pinball, nobody I never attacked him in there. I never thought about that. That's a very good point. He was respected during his breaks. That's hilarious. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Yeah, oh. I didn't even think about that till he brought it up because I said I said I like how he just walks away and Kenny was like, yeah, he's like, and I like the fact that the uh, animatronics re- 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 respected the fifteen minute break. Yeah, that's hilarious. that's true. The man got to play pinball for fifteen minutes. Yeah, and crush out uh, energy drinks. <laughs> so uh, getting back to uh, Liv's friends here, they've climbed to the top of the roof, which collapses, causing them to fall into the building. So now everyone's stuck with the killer animatronics. Uh, While the janitor cleans the kitchen, Liv explains that Willy's Wonderland was originally owned by notorious serial killer, and you know, they always got to have three names, Jerry Robert Willis. (laughs) Yeah, three first names. And his seven psychotic, cannibalistic partners who often murdered unsuspecting families by luring them in the super happy fun room. And they straight up, uh, they they definitely murder a kid. Oh yeah, they do. Absolutely. Um... Eventually discovered by the authorities, they commit a satanic ritual to transfer their souls into the animatronics before committing suicide. They chucky themselves. Yes. <laughs> Another movie that Beth Grant is in that features body transferring rituals. <laughs> Child's Play 2, you're right. I told you, I, I, told you I had some facts to drop about Beth Grant in this episode to you. And she's, uh, she's in our Both favorite scene. Her, yeah. The, the, the tire pump. Yeah, the tire pump. Very naughty miss kettlewell and that air pump seemed forever i hope that's <laughs> in the 101 scariest monster <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be good anyway so yeah beth beth grant another uh another body soul ritual do day dembella <laughs> imagine if that's how they got in there it was just a dembella <laughs> uh when she finishes telling it a few of the animatronics awaken and attack the group that was the one where it was like six little piggies or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it was like, it, all of a sudden it drops it to five and then nighty fucking night impales Aaron with his sword. So he goes night, night, Sarah and Tito devour Dan alive. Already mauls Kathy and Bob to death while they're having sex. I love that. Yeah. I like Artie. <laughs> this would normally be where I'd say probably, actually even a little before this, that we should stop for spoilers, but I just want to throw out that like our, our interview gets into spoilers too. So And the movie's been out for over a year. Over a year so so we're just going to keep trucking yep, through this. If you haven't seen it, you know, get on it. Yeah, leave here. This will be your only warning. Well, too late. This will be your here. only warning. This is your only warning, folks. <laughs> fucking deal with it. Anyway, we go back to Liv, who's just standing in awe. The janitor decapitates Nighty. He breaks Artie's jaw. Like, he just ripped it backwards. That was another good one. Yeah, King Kong, man. Yeah. Yeah. Surprised you didn't find a way to work Godzilla in there, too. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I just might still. You never know. (laughs) Either way, he kills both Nighty and Artie. Uh, Yeah, he just straight up ripped Artie's mouth backwards. Just grabbed his mouth and just separated it. Uh, stalked by Cammy in the arcade, Chris calls Lund for help. She goes there with the deputy sheriff, Evan Olson, who's just like, he's going to pay double overtime yep. to just be sitting in the sheriff's office to make sure this phone don't ring. The best part is Beth Grant, uh, her character is like, uh, we're just going to sit here and pray this phone don't ring. It, she answers one time, 
So you know shit's like serious from what she just told the guy mm. and literally just hangs up on the kid and hope he doesn't call back again. Yeah. <laughs> then she said, oh shit, we gotta go to Willie's. That's another good quote. She's good at playing a heartless bitch, man. Yeah. I gotta say, she really is. And I mean that with all due respect, if she seems like a nice person Get in real bet, life. microchip. <laughs> so uh, she goes there with the deputy sheriff. On the way, Lud reveals to Evan that after Willie's Wonderland was shut down, the animatronics continued to murder people around Hayesville until her, Text, and Jed all made a deal with them. You said Text. Text? Text? Text-Mex. <laughs> Over the years, they trick random travelers into cleaning up the building, offering them as sacrifices to the animatronics to stop their killing spree. They also would try to choose people they thought would not be missed, <laughs> which is double fucked up. But uh, a young Liv and her parents were among the victims, with Liv being the only survivor and her guilty ass adopted her. Like, that's fucked up. Like, basically is the reason her family's dead and then adopted her. Yeah. Yeah, fucked up. Uh, the janitor and Liv arrive at the arcade. Cammy snaps Chris's neck, killing him. They subdue Cammy and attempt to leave before Lun and Evan stop them. Lun handcuffs the janitor and leaves him to die as Evan takes Liv away. Uh, while driving, Evan is attacked and killed by Tito as Liz injures Tito and escapes. Back at the restaurant, the janitor subdues Sarah and twists Cammy's head, killing her. Enraged, Lund tries to lure Willie to kill the janitor. She pleads with him too. Willie, this asshole doesn't speak for us. <laughs> yeah, that's a then good Then Willie one. just uh, decides to tear her straight in half. Doesn't give a shit. Willie's, a, Willie's an OG. <laughs> Willie an OG. I just feel like he just wanted a reason to fuck her up after yeah. all these years. That's what it felt like. And then Willie and the janitor fight each other until the janitor uh, just rips his head off. The he, fight that we were all waiting for finally happens at Climax. That's what we wanted. We wanted Willie and the janitor. And then the next morning, Text and Jed return to the building and find it completely clean with the animatronics missing. The janitor received his repaired vehicle. Uh, he invites Liv to accompany him. And uh, while Tex and Jed discuss planning to reopen Willie's Wonderland, Sarah suddenly appears and uh, sets their car on fire. I with Gasly, I guess she basically, like, in a way, suicide bombed the car. Yeah, because she died, too. Yeah, she I mean, all three of them too. were killed because it just yeah. explodes. She Molotov cocktailed his gas tank, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, again, another, Ch here we go, another Chucky reference. That's <laughs> kind of what Chucky did in uh, Bride of Chucky to the cop car. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Beth Grant wasn't in that one, though. No, but still Chucky, another and, Chucky uh, reference. Yeah, as the sun rises, the janitor and Liv drive out of Hayesville, uh, running into and killing Tito as he's just like walking on the highway, and you can see the explosion through his like sunglasses. Yep, the reflection. So, uh, yeah, that'll about wrap that story up for us for now, <laughs> because uh, there is prequel comics coming out that we're going to talk about. Maybe a sequel somewhere down the road, but uh, I've also debated. Do I want Nick Cage back in the sequel? I thought about that too. Like, is it? Is Do this, I want a different story? Is it forced to have him back? It might be better to have a whole different story. Uh, but I think like maybe make Willy's Wonderland another way. chain. Like, I think like they could do Willy's Wonderland. Like, make it like it's a chain, like Chuck E. Cheese. Somebody saw what happened in like the most recent incident or whatever due to like text dying. So maybe somebody reenacts it and decides to like kill themselves and to give the, like they could kill themselves and 
put themselves in these animals at another Willy's Wonderland and kind of do it over is like, you know, kind of like, I guess it seems repetitive, but that, I mean, it could work. I'm just spitballing. Yeah. I mean, I think I would, like I said, I think I'd be okay either way. I, I feel like if they brought Nick back, I'd be like, awesome. Yeah. Also, uh, I should have, I should have brought this up. Another point. The character, the janitor, granted, it's not exactly the same. Reminds me a lot of Clint Eastwood's character from the Dollars trilogy. Oh, yeah. But he does talk in those, but it's very few and far between. And he always got the stank face. He always got that stank face and just chomping a chomping a cigar. <clears throat> but in I'm this playing, case, it's, energy, it's a soda slash energy drink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was well done by Nick Cage, like, to literally not talk like spoiler alert he doesn't ever say a word in the entire film yeah and it's funny because you think about how can that work but it's like those little things when he gets picked up by um oh what's what's his name i can't think of the um the tow the tow the tow shit you said his name earlier Uh, oh man you're gonna do that to me uh i'm terrible with names uh rick Rick. Uh, how do we both yep (laughs) yep yep how do we both come up with that rick yeah with uh with uh rick like i don't even know where the fuck i was going i was so worried about his name but oh yeah what i was saying was like the little thing to him not talking is like he asked him a question and nick cage the janitor doesn't answer in like two seconds and he goes oh yeah you're one of the and it's just like he continued like there's never a time where it's awkward necessarily because he doesn't (laughs) talk yeah a lot of times like the people around him just kind of flow with it I mean, there are times where, like, he's asked stuff and just ignores them, but they just think that he's ignoring them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, he literally doesn't talk, and I feel like that's just, like, if you told me it was a movie about a guy who beats up animatronics, and it's the good guy who doesn't talk throughout the entire film, I'd be like, that sounds boring. But it's not. But, uh, yeah, and all everything with those animatronics was were, were great, like... We all have our favorite animatronic, but like they all look good. Yeah, agreed. And they they have that they they have that perfect look of looking childish, but having like a a, a, a kind of like a scary twist to them, like a goofy scary twist kind of. Yeah, like you you liked Ozzy was your favorite. Ozzy the Ostrich, he would yeah. be high on my list. Uh, I liked uh, Artie Alligator, but I think it's just because I like alligators. <laughs> I mean, I love alligators. And also, too. I like Tito the Turtle because I like the whole, like, he had that sombrero on. It was <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, who the fuck decided that, like, let, let, let's, let's name the turtle Tito and put a fucking sombrero on him. Just, like, a lot of the animatronics, you're just like, why? Like this, and, and this, this, this animal, works. this turtle here, he's going to be the Mexican one of the group. Yeah. That's basically and what then, it like, was. Like, Artie Alligator has on, like, a French beret. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. yeah, it's all, does. like, ridiculous, but it works. It does work. They look cute. Like I said, they, they, I could see the child appeal to them. I would appeal to children. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Also, I think because uh, the children get sucked in by the the aesthetics of, like, Five, Night at, Five Nights at Freddy. Yeah. The music and shit, too, that they play. Um, well, you know. Well, that was like you were playing it for Abel, and he, he, he was yeah. he was into like uh, he was into the music. Yeah, uh, you know, you got me into this movie. Yeah, and uh, what, what, I kept trying to get you to watch it for the longest time too. Well, what would you rate it? What's your rating? <sighs> I feel like I'm biased just because I enjoy. Like I, I made a joke uh, off air with you that I said that this was like my Psycho Gorman. This is just like my movie that like 
when I need to do something, but I just want some noise in the background, like that's what I put on. Cause you could just jump into the movie at any time. Right. Um, I'd probably give it an 8.2. Okay. Nice. Nice. See, like, you know, you got me into this movie and the thing is I don't ride the hype train of Nick Cage the way that a lot of people do. I'll be upfront about that. I, I was, like some Nick Cage stuff. I don't like some Nick Cage stuff. I wasn't a fan of Mandy. Uh, so I was apprehensive about watching Willie's Wonderland, you know, because so many people talked that up. So when here's another Nick Cage fan, uh, film that's being talked up and I was really just like, man, I don't know, you know, but, um, uh, Upon my first viewing, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I was surprised by how fun it was, and I liked it. However, in the passing days, I couldn't get it out of my head. The music, the violence, the ridiculousness, everything. As I sit here now, I can honestly say that I've watched it five times in the past <laughs> week. I went I went back four more times. My kids even like it, like you mentioned. My one-year-old, my two-year-old, actually had his hands above his head and was dancing at one point to the music. <laughs> it's a fun movie that gets straight to the point. It isn't overambitious with its ideology and budget. It's a tight little story packed into a quick but not too quick of a pace. The janitor is awesome. I hope we get another movie. Uh, like I said, it's absolutely fucking batshit ridiculous, but I love it. I really hope the sequel happens. I'm giving it an 8. 8 out of 10. And I have to say, I didn't choose to watch this. Nicole was the one who put it on one Right, night. right. This was one that you were turned on to. That you, someone turned you on to it, and then you turned me on to it. It kind of was like a chain effect. And it's kind of funny, because I feel like that's pretty much how this movie spread. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's been one of, those, one of those cult movies that just... Oh, well, I saw this, and it just gets passed along. But yeah, it's one of those movies. It's almost like uh, you have those movies you watch, and you go, oh, I like that. And you just think, okay, it was just a movie I like. And then you just keep thinking about the movie, and you're like, damn, I want to watch it again. And you're like, <laughs> damn it. And you watch it again, and you're like, wow, I guess i like this movie way more than what i thought i liked it yeah i can see that because then like i re i rewatched it and i'm like okay i want to i kind of want to watch it again <laughs> i can see that for sure and it's an it, it's it doesn't overstay its welcome it's like what 85 minutes i think yeah yeah it's like just like a tight hour and a half like i said just barely yeah i don't like i told you i feel like sometimes when you watch a movie for the first time it feels longer because i feel like you're trying to process everything yeah when, like when i rewatched it I was like, oh, wow, we're almost done. Like, I did, it felt longer for some reason the first time. But now, just like, yeah, like it gets right to the action. There's not, there's, I mean, it, may, it may, makes it sound horrible when I say it this way. There's not too much story. Like, there's a good story to it, but it, it's, it's just straight to the point. Yeah. Straight to the point. We don't need hundreds of backstories. We get the backstory on the animatronics. We don't need to know shit about the janitor. Right. We find out that, you know, Liv wants to burn it down because her family was murdered there and she lives with the sheriff now. Like, that's all you need to know. And then, <laughs> and then it's just <laughs> enjoy Nick the Cage. ride. And the fun thing is, it's usually I feel like you have these movies. In a way, it kind of felt like, uh, like one of the old martial arts movies, like Game of Death, where you. He's just moving from one character to the next. And Bruce Lee got fucked up in, like, all those fights. Nah, not Nick Cage. He's just out here beating the shit out of <laughs> right, every animatronic. Right. Not even a challenge. Like, uh, I think as uh, Gio was saying in our interview, like, they just picked the wrong dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this dude was just too fucking bad and cool. Yeah, like, with, like, he was never once in serious Jeopardy. Like... <laughs> Even like Willie, just 
Yeah. It's the fight we wanted to see. And then he just beat the fuck out of Willie. But, uh, and then Sarah Siren took care of herself. Oh yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why she wanted to try to live, but yeah, me neither. Fucking, fucking Satanist, man. You can figure him out. <laughs> to, uh, to quote our boy Joshua Michael, fucking hail Satan, bro. <laughs> uh, I think, I, th- I think we've done enough talking about the movie here. So, well, not enough. Not it's, enough. But we we've, we've done enough talking. We've about done it. enough. Me and you, you and I. We got we got we got some facts for you, and then we'll get to the interview. Oh. Learn. All right, now let's get into Burn and Learn, the segment of our show where we fill you in on some behind-the-scenes facts about the film that we're discussing. In this case, it's Willy's Wonderland. Pow, right in the kisser. <laughs> uh, a fistful of caffeine for your kisser is the tagline of the soda punch that the janitor drinks. You can see it on the can if you look close enough. And I've discussed this with you, that if they ever do make this drink, I feel like it should be grape-flavored. I don't I'm know in. why. But I already, I mean, I need a grape energy drink. <laughs> uh, moving on here. Uh, Nicholas Cage improvised that arcade dance scene. It looks like there was heavy choreography in that. <laughs> uh, the script was high up on what is called the blood list, apparently. Uh, the blood list is uh, the list of like scripts for genre films, I guess horror and sci-fi and stuff like that, that studios want to make. I uh, wasn't aware of there being like a name of the list of horror films. I but, did not uh, either. Blood, blood list, apparently. Look at me. I learned something, too. <laughs> yeah, we're learning our own shit on Burn and Learn. I done learned something. The 20-minute short film Gina the Crocodile from 1969 was the inspiration for Artie the Alligator's look. It looks just like it, too. Like, that's that, that makes total sense. Beret-wearing bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although the janitor's real name is never revealed, I thought this was really interesting. You can see military ID plates hanging from the rearview mirror of his car within like, the first few minutes of the film. The plates are a nod to Nick Cage's character Cameron Poe from Con Air, who was a U.S. Army Ranger. So that's why he was such a badass, and that's why Willie that was and his another crew good fucked Nick up. Cage movie. Willie and his crew fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> According to the props department, the character Kathy, played by Kaylee Cowan, chewed over 81 pieces of pink chewing gum throughout the course of her filming. That's oh, a weird, like, who counted? I mean, I feel like I feel like her jaw be hurting. <laughs> Got that lock jaw. Yeah. She was fucking chomping on it, too. Like. Seriously. Um, uh, and uh, Grant Kramer is a producer of this film, and he also played Mike Tobacco in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Mike Tobacco is still one of the best names. I agree. <laughs> what I the fuck? Like, it was like, fuck it, make the last name Tobacco. Look, I'm just going to say, Mike Tobacco sounds like a dude that gets laid. I mean, that's yeah. my boy Mike Tobacco years ago. He's got girls. I don't know. He'd be, I don't laying, know, just... he'd be laying pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tobacco is like a real man's man's name. Though, All right. Uh, I think that's probably enough of Mike Tobacco. Uh, uh, Mike Tobacco in that movie was not a man's man, if I remember correctly. No, but it's a man's man's name. Anyway, uh, you're not here to listen to us talk about my tobacco, so I think it's time to get into our interview. The whole reason you're here with Geo Parsons. Today's guest is an actor, writer, cinematographer. He is the writer of 2021 action horror film Willie's Wonderland. And he's also read, read in the limited run of Willie's Wonderland comics. 
Thank you, Geo Parsons, for being high on horror. <laughs> well, thank you, John and Drew. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, and uh, before we get started and into the good stuff, uh, again, thank you for taking the time. Uh, but we wanted to start by asking, you know, do you indulge in cannabis? Do you smoke? Uh, not as much as the rest of my family members. How often would you say you smoked? Yeah, it's it's not it's not you know it's maybe once a year or something like that. It's not really something that I partake in, uh, not to the good degree of again. I'm going to use the term other family members since this is a public forum that are like twice to three to five times a day. <laughs> uh, that sounds like us a little bit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what got you into the horror genre? Yeah, I always liked the, those movies the most. So, like, if I was sitting around with my cousins, we'd always be watching a good horror movie. Uh, I, I just, they're kind of my jam. There's just something I like about them. And I really like the, the more cheesier B-movie ones that were on, like, the movie channel or the digital channels when I was growing up that... yeah. Well, when I was growing up, they had video stores. Those are the ones that, that really stuck with me the most and the ones that I liked the most are those those ones that were at the the back end of the blockbuster that nobody could find or nobody else knew about. Right. Well, uh, so before we get started into talking about Willy's Wonderland, let's talk about the comic book that uh, John just mentioned. Um, tell us about it. It had a Kickstarter. It went way over its reach. You know, congratulations on that. Um, I know that uh, the artist, Buzz Hassan, uh, he does amazing work. He actually worked uh, with the guy who created our logo, Blair Webb. They had a thing together. They were working together before they went their own ways. Um, yeah, what can you tell us about the comic? Right, well, it's a prequel to the movie, and the comic kind of follows the backstories of the serial killers, the eight animatronics uh, prior to them becoming animatronics. So there are eight serial killers. And so in the four stories... For the four comic books so far, uh, it's it, it kind of tells the backstory of those serial killers. You see how and why and who they are. Really fun. And yeah, Buzz did some some fantastic covers. And actually on the Willy's Wonderland 1, 2, 3, 4 covers that he made, if you put them together side by side, it creates this like amazing artistic collage of the four covers uh, up next to each other. Uh, so yeah, fantastic artwork. And then the, the two main artists or the two main uh, writers on that, uh, uh, were Scott and Jim and, uh, of American mythology. And they just took the world and like kind of ran with it. Uh, really did some, some fantastic work as far as developing uh, the backstory that wasn't there. Um, really good stuff. So if, if you're a fan of Willy's Wonderland and you haven't, uh, picked up the comic book for sure. You can find it online. If you visit American Mythology, you can find it there. Fun comic, fantastic artwork, like you were saying. It's really worth checking out. Yeah, we definitely plan to check it out, you know. And uh, I was going to ask you, how many issues is it going to be? Do you guys have a plan of like a set goal of how many issues? Is it going to keep yeah. going as long as yeah. people buy it? Or <laughs> yeah, the first, like you said, the first, the first four did really well. So initially, it was going to just be that four comic book run, and then see how it goes. But they've done very well. So what um, what we're going to try and do is uh, another four comic book run. 
um, just different adventures with the animatronics, different adventures within the world of Willy's Wonderland. And we're figuring that out right now. But uh, I know that uh, we're working on some covers and some new stories. So uh, I would look for that probably early 2023. Oh, excellent. That's that's good news. Um, well, uh, before writing, um, you know, like before writing feature length screenplays, you were doing plays. I saw an interview with you where you were talking about your background in doing plays and uh, I've never seen any of them, unfortunately, but uh, I saw that you said you like to shock the audience and uh, after Willie's Wonderland, do you have any plays or anything that you've written that you would like to see turn into a full length film? Yeah, well, no, there was one I did uh, the, like my original idea for a film before I did Willie's Wonderland was this one called you're at here where this guy gets a uh, chip in his brain, just becomes a human like commercial. And then it just drives him to madness. He goes nuts and ends up like losing everybody around him because he's just driven so mad by this uh, corporate chip that's in his brain. <laughs> so that one was fun. But yeah, with, with like the shock, the audience thing, it's like when the majority of plays that I went to and, and took in were always very boring. And if you're like a horror movie fan or somebody that's into those kind of movies, then yeah, I think naturally you're going to find like a play on stage fairly boring. And I didn't want to do something like that. I always wanted it to be like a show. I always wanted it, there to be something that you would remember. So whenever we did a play like that, we tried to hide fun stuff in. So like one time we did this play where we pretended like this big Hollywood producer was going to show up. You know, I live in Los Angeles, so if you're putting up the plates, trying to get noticed. Uh, we, we did this thing where we're like, yeah, this big Hollywood producer's coming. And we told everybody in the audience, like, oh, we have to hold the show because this important person's coming. And the important person was just a, like a mark. You know, it was just my friend that I had, like, told to play this role. <laughs> and I had him come in. And come in like five, ten minutes late so everybody noticed him. And I had one of my friends go up and give him a bunch of like headshots of the actors in the play. And, you know, it was just something that if you were in the audience, you noticed this person. And so halfway through the play, it's it's kind of um, done this way where I like I forget my lines and he's in the audience. He's like, you suck, <laughs> you know, and like everybody, everybody's like kind of taken aback by that. And then I start telling him he sucks. We start getting into it verbally on stage. No one knows what's going on. And then we had choreographed where we physically fought each other. But when we when I went after this guy, all my friends in the audience went after him too and just started beating his ass. And then it turned into this, this huge fight. <laughs> like where like the whole I just I, like I just I still remember my friend Chris just like slamming the back of this guy's head as hard as he could but I couldn't break the character because we're in the middle of the show you know he gets my friend who was playing the producer he gets dragged out of there and as he's getting dragged out everybody sort of realizes this that like oh my god it was actually part of the show and and it, it kind of took me by surprise so those are the kind of things that I always wanted to do like in a live audience is like you're still witnessing the show but you're going to experience something that you didn't think that you were like you're going to get scared or you're going to get that adrenaline pumping um which is which is something that i tried to do in this you know in the willies movie but just those were lessons that i learned from from doing the plays is like you've got to figure out a way to like shock the audience you know without their without them knowing about it 
Okay, yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, and uh, you're a fan of uh, you're a huge fan of uh, horror movies and B films, as I heard you say in an yeah. interview. Um, would you say that? Uh, what else would you say would be an inspiration for Willy's Wonderland? Like any of those movies? And because uh, to me, I saw it as kind of like I know like Mad Max Fury Road probably wasn't an inspiration, but to me it was like Evil Dead and Mad Max Fury Road inside of like a Chuck E. <laughs> <of> Cheese. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a, that's a good one. I think that in every single horror movie that like. And you guys have probably seen millions more than I have. But, you know, in all the ones that we've seen, the formula is always the same. It's like villain shows up, uh, villain stalks innocent kids, usually, or people. Villain kind of has has his or her way with them throughout the whole entire thing. And then in the final 10 minutes, the hero or the final girl figures out some way that, like, oh, like – He's allergic to sunlight. <laughs> He's able to beat him somehow, <laughs> at least for enough. And I, and I always wanted a movie where it was like, well, what if there's like, what if there were like a really bad dude and he just like met like the wrong person and got his ass kicked? And so that's kind of like, like, so I took all those inspirations that you're talking about, like all the, and, and the one that I used was like Jack Frost a lot. It was like this movie I remember watching in high school. It was like a killer. I love this, Jack Frost. This, yeah, serial killer becomes a snowman. And it's just like, so that's kind of, that's kind of the way I wanted to do it. And I thought like, you know, if it's, if it's a movie and you're going to have this guy beating the hell out of the, the villain, well, you're going to need a lot of them because you can't just, you know, if you just mops the floor with one person, it's a short movie. So you got to have at least a few of them. And there's something funny about just beating up like a Jack Frost snowman. <laughs> there's something funny about <laughs> seeing a mascot. Like if you're ever at a sporting game or something, you see the mascot gets ass kicked by an angry dad. or something. <laughs> like that's kind of the vibe that I wanted to go for. So like when you are watching it, even though it's violent, and this guy's getting kicked into a urinal. It's still funny. So that was kind of that was kind of the, the kind of the inspiration there. Another story, real quickly, is like my friend who used to play football in, in college, and he was way, he he was like six foot five, three hundred five pounds. He's driving along, some guy cuts him off and flips him off, and then like motions, hey, like pull over, pull over, you know. And my friend's like, yeah, all right, <laughs> pulls over. So the gets, guy gets out of the car, and my friend gets out of the car, who's probably like roided up on steroids at this point, completely out of his mind. And here he is, just just you know, three hundred pounds, six foot five, sees the guy, and he tells me the guy looks at him, just starts running back to his car, gets in his car. My friend, the six foot five guy, just chases after the car on foot. And I was like, that was another inspiration. It was just like, I love the idea of someone picking a fight with someone that they have no idea like is going to just absolutely steamroll them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Willie's Wonderland gets a lot of comparisons to Five Night at Freddy's. Are you, are you a fan of the game series? How do you feel about those comparisons? Because I feel like every time Willie's Wonderland yeah, oh, yeah. up, it's always Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually never played those games. I'm, I'm obviously like, aware of them. But um, as far as a comparison, yeah, absolutely. You're going to compare it to those because they're just evil animatronics. But uh, uh, I, I never use that as a gauge. I think that in those in those things, it's like you're supposed to be scared of them. They're the real – like in ours, it was always more this, the janitor just showing up and just, just beating the hell out of them. And, uh, and so – uh, I'd never wanted to, I didn't want to try and ride their coattails in any way, shape or form. 
You know, I just yeah. just try to stay in our lane, stay in your lane. And I think about that with like there's a million different movies, uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason and, and Mike Myers. I mean, they're just they're just kind of copycats of the same thing over and over and over again. And, and really, I, my whole idea was like, let's let's steer queer of any of that stuff and just focus on the janitor and how much of a badass he is. And this is the villain that he's taken on this in Willie's Wonderland. But if it wasn't them, it would be. It would be like Jason or Mike Myers, or you know, you'd you'd love to see a series where the janitor could take on villains of that kind of uh, capacity. Yeah, I totally. Uh, I never really saw the. I mean, I see it now that it's been said, but Five Nights at Freddy's never really crossed my mind. To me, I thought, man, the guy that wrote this was probably fucking traumatized of Chuck E. Cheese as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I went to this place called Boomtown and uh, grew up on the. Uh, other side of the border from Nevada, and whenever you went to Nevada, there was a casino at Boomtown, and they had uh, they had those kind of low rent animatronic, uh, uh, mon- not monster, I call them monster, but animatronic characters that that played and gave you pizza. They also had these uh, thrill rides. I don't have these anymore. Where you like you got into a little chair, and there's a screen, and it bumped you everywhere. I'm sure, like broke uh, a bunch yeah, of kids' spines and stuff. <laughs> the motion theater experiences but these weren't like the ones that are at the mall today these were like dangerous <laughs> <laughs> well um you originally uh wrote the script without any dialogue correct like that was on purpose and you also were supposed to direct the film well well yeah for the janitor so when i when i, I was doing those plays and then somebody's like man you gotta quit doing the plays you gotta move on to doing a movie but I, I mean, I didn't have any money or the the capacity to do like a sort of a feature film. But I did have the ability to just write the thing. So I wrote it with the intention that I was going to get a you know like iPhone camera or whatever, and and then just shoot it myself and direct it myself and and do all the the, the animatronics just in suits I could buy uh, mascot suits I could buy from Amazon or whatever, just to try and do something different, try and expand expanded out um and uh, i had a friend who was a casting director who for anyone that doesn't know a casting director is like the person that um, secures the talent for the movies they're the person that if you have a script they're gonna they're gonna have a relationship with the movie star the movie star's agent to be able to get them to get get their attention basically and uh my friend had read the script and really liked it and and she she said you know if you can get it to nicholas cage that might be something that uh, he, he responds to. And I was like, well, I can't do that, but can you? <laughs> so she did me a favor, really big favor. And uh, yeah, she called up uh, his manager and said, hey, you should read the script. And to his credit, he did and gave it to Nick. And Nick was like, yeah, I'm in, you know? So it kind of worked out. Really. It was a lot of, a lot of I don't want to say it was easy because we're missing out on the years and years and years and years of like hard work and rejection. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's kind of how it kind of came in. It was like, wrote it, gave it to her he gave it to him and he wanted to do it and 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 it was able to be made because because he was so into it you know if you have nicholas cage that wants to do a project it's going to find its way to the to the screen the majority of the time as i've learned um yeah but then once once uh once things became real um as far as the movie goes and as far as the budgets and in, in the millions of dollars, you need to bring in somebody that has experience uh, that can have a, a crew and, and be somebody that like 
whoever the lender is who's who's funding the movie and all the people that are involved in the insurance and all that kind of stuff they need somebody that they can count on uh, and that's where kevin came in uh kevin lewis who directed the film he's the person that had the experience and he's also the person that understood what Willie's wonder Woman was as much as i did um and just because there's a lot of people that read that script that are like what <laughs> you know but kevin got it immediately <laughs> sure. knew right away like how it's supposed to go, what's supposed to be done. And again, he had the experience, the know-how, the hard work and the work ethic to be able to say, okay, just I'll take it from here and let me handle it, which it worked out great for, for, for the both of us. Well, that's awesome. Uh, but do you, uh, do you still have any uh, aspirations to direct or are you just good with writing now? Yeah, no, no. I mean, absolutely. I think that the thing is in order to, to, to in order to pull that off, you have to make more movies um and you have to if it were for for right now i'm right i'm trying trying to write more stuff um and some of the stuff that i'm writing it's like the the way that the system is set up it's like like these are all things that i'm learning as sort of a novice who got into this it's like you there's some things that you can write that you would be able to direct and there's and this actually goes for anybody that's listening to this who wants to get into movies if you want to write and direct your own movie, then it should be more towards the Willy's Wonderland type of a thing. It should be all like one location or very low budget or a place that you could do in your home, like your home, your hometown, things like that. You, you, if you wrote like some big blockbuster, even if it was the best thing, because it's because the money that they're putting into these things could be in the billions of dollars or the hundreds of millions of dollars who's ever putting up that money won't necessarily believe that even though you're a great artist are the right person to direct it as a business wise so they may they're going to find somebody that's uh, that's got a, a a proven track record which is both things are okay for me i really think both things are okay so i am focusing on doing oh let's do it a bigger one and maybe a smaller one and just try and figure out what sticks the most um but I am figuring a lot of this stuff out as we go. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's true about keeping it to smaller locations. I think that's what happens. Granted, I've never made a movie, but just from what I've noticed from watching movies, that the more successful ones are just intimate locations where I feel like people on a lower budget sometimes, they have the ideas, but it's too much, and it stretches the budget thin, whereas... Like with Willy's Wonderland, you keep it the one or two places, and it just really works. Yeah, I'd say that if you're going to do a movie, then that—that that was my whole thing with Willy's Wonderland. It was like keep it in just one. And Willy's Wonderland, we you know we go outside for a little while, we go to the sheriff's office for a second, but like for the most part, like ninety percent of that movie all takes place in one location, and that makes it easy for everybody. That really lowers the cost because. Willie's Wonderland is the outside is just an old bowling alley that they painted up and did a great job with the art, you know, made it look really cool. But the inside is just a studio. And so like in one shot that you would like, you see, let's say uh, they go into Siren Sarah's fairy forest or whatever. Siren Sarah's fairy forest only existed for like the two days that they were shooting it. As soon as they had shot those two days, the fairy forest was turned down and the arcade was built right in the same place. And then the oh, arcade wow. was only there for two days. And then that got turned down, torn down. And then all of a sudden it was the Willy's Wonderland stage. I mean, everything that you're seeing when you watch the movie, it looks like it's a different location, but yeah, it's just really like one place. 
I, I didn't even notice that. That that, that was re- 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 uh, really well done. Um, yeah, that, that and that and that goes to the people who worked on the the crew and the art direction and everybody that worked on that film is like. There's also only the other crazy Willy's Wonderland fact is there's only one suit for all the animatronics. So if if oh, if wow. a suit got destroyed. Um, then it's gone. It's it's off the board. So the way that they had to shoot it was like, make sure you get all the shots when they're nice and neat, like first and second days. You know when they're when they're when they're friendly animatronics, and then shoot all the stuff with Ozzy the ostrich as much as you can because once he's destroyed, his spine is ripped out. We can't go back and reshoot it. So it was a lot of like scheduling magic. The way that they were able to set up just the one location and the one animatronic and make sure that you don't, you know, make sure you get all the, the things you, you need. And you think about it, like the very last shot in Willy's Wonderland. And if it's spoiler alert, uh, everybody, if you don't want to listen for the next five seconds, close your ears, but he rips off, uh, uh Willie's head and the animatronic oil spills all over the, the, the Willie's Wonderland logo in the in the backdrop of the stage. Well, they could only do that one time. <laughs> it's like they're gonna rip off the head, the oil's gonna splatter everywhere. And I talked to Kevin about it. I was like, how, how freaked out were you? He's like, very. <laughs> I gotta imagine a lot of times he was freaked out with all the destruction to each one. They're like, this has uh, to be uh, done right. Yeah. No, I'm sure it was like a harrowing like 22 days. I mean it really was like a short amount of time that they were able to pull off all the kind of miracle things about the film. Um, it, it really was one of those things where you think like one wrong, one thing goes wrong and it could just, it could totally end the whole project. And, and, and really they were able to, to consistently hit a home run every single day. Yeah. And uh, you, you wrote the short as well and you played the janitor in the short. Who do you think's a better janitor? You or Nick Cage? me <laughs> no there's no way there's no way you know like uh, the the jealous geo parsons uh, aspect of it when i first like he was like when i first made this thing i was just like oh of course there could be ever be another janitor and then they're like well what about nick cage and then i'm yeah okay <laughs> if you did 90 movies in an academy award and being considered one of the greatest actors alive all right i'm gonna let that slide <laughs> that's like if you want to play pickup basketball and they're like hey parsons we're subbing you out for lebron james oh okay all right i can see that you know <laughs> i'm gonna let that go i'm gonna let it slide no he was awesome you know like and the thing is is like as good as the like, I, I had written a janitor on paper, but the, you know, it's just like janitor beats the hell out of animatronic. Next scene, you know, he's the one that's able to take that character and add all like the in the the idiosyncrasies that he has. Like he's the one that brought all that stuff. Like he's the one that comes up with all that stuff. Uh, I, everybody knows like the pinball scene where he's dancing. Like he came up with the dancing pinball guy. He came up with all of this. Like he, it was weird because he's got. A dog and a lizard, and those those were his like inspirations for the film. Like he he like he 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 kind of uh, emulated the janitor after his dog. And there's one scene where you can really see it really well if you go back and watch the movie when he's in the hallway. He like he just defeats the alligator, Artie the alligator, and he's no wait, he just defeats Cammy Chameleon, and he's dragging her back through the hallway, and he sees. Tito and Siren Sarah just kind of getting like stop him like getting his way and you see him like get down like he you'll, you'll see in his body language he gets down like like a dog 
like preparing to strike. <laughs> so the, all those kind of really cool things that he found and just created the character, like took what I had done. And I say this a lot. Everybody that worked on that movie took what I did and just elevated it from like a solid 4.8 to like a 9.6. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had, I had read about some of that, that, that Nick was really, uh, involved and had a lot of input into the film were we surprised by like how hands-on he was with the project yeah you know and i i besides uh which i took him on in table tennis in 2001 at an arcade in westwood i beat him or not table tennis it was virtual <laughs> tennis and i beat his ass playing virtual tennis <laughs> um but that was the only time I had ever met him, and I didn't really even meet him for a second. He had just come to an arcade with his, his kid, and I happened to have played him at, uh, at uh, tennis. So I'd never uh, ex- you know, had any experience. I had no idea how he, would, how he would respond to it or how much hands-on he would be. But no, he's like a guy that always had all of the answers immediately. You know, Because he's uh, such a professional at not only acting but movies in general – Every kind of thing that came up uh, with the movie, he had an answer to. And yeah, I mean, people people know it, but a lot of my some of my original animatronics were changed because he likes. He's a really big fan of lizards and reptiles, and so that's how you got Cammy the chameleon and the alligator and the turtle and stuff in there. Uh, was just because yeah, he's such a fan of those animals and wanted to, uh, you know, wanted that that that. Um, element added to the screenplay, but there's a lot of people in the in the, this. Another thing about cool thing about Nick Cage is like there's a lot of people in the pre-production just leading up to it that have that share their two cents, and I think this happens in a lot of movies where uh, people will will give their opinion and then changes will be made based on that opinion. And for the most part, unless something was specifically uh, out of the budget or we couldn't pull it off. Nick was like, nah, man, just, just keep it exactly as is because this is the what I want to do. This is what I read. This is what I want to stick with. I don't want to change it up unless we absolutely have to. And was very protective of everything and very protective of myself and the story. When he, you know, I didn't know him. He didn't have to do that. And so he was, he was really, really cool about all that. And he's been extraordinarily cool about the whole entire Willie's experience. Like it's, it's really let Kevin and I have a lot of the, the press stuff as far as just doing podcasts with you guys and stuff. He was, he was just like, you guys, you guys take it. You guys take the, take the limelight. He was, I mean, it's really, really cool stuff that he did for all of us. So, um, yeah. Uh, he, as far as a better janitor, still me, but uh, he's a close <laughs> second. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. I got to say that I guess I got to thank him because my favorite a- animatronic was Artie the alligator. Did you have? Yeah, a f- yeah. Did you did you have a favorite one? Uh, yeah, I liked uh, Ozzy Ostrich. Oh, maybe because that was the first that was one that I. Yeah, it was the first one that I wrote, and Ozzy had to be like. I'd see, even though it's called Willie's Wonderland, like Ozzy had to ended up being like one of the most important ones because, mm-hmm. because in the, well, the trailer for Willie's Wonderland, he was featured. And there's a, there's a part in the trailer where, and it's in the movie, obviously, where like he, he like, he like basically he, he fucks with Nick a little bit. And then Nick looks at him and is like, I'm going to beat the shit out of this ostrich. And you see Ozzy's eyes open and he knows he's about to get his ass kicked. 
that was so important. Like that changes the whole that that all of a sudden changes what anyone's expectation of the movie was hinged on this animatronics ostrich's reaction to the janitor beating him up. And so that's why he had to like, that's why I think Ozzy was my favorite because he had to be scary. He had to be uh, creepy. And then he had to sell it, sell it with that first fight because if that first fight didn't go well, the rest of the movie would have been just, it would have been dead right there. So Ozzy was always my favorite just because of the responsibility he had to like kind of carry the film. And cause he was like, the first one that I thought of that was really creepy. That's a, that's a really good answer. Um, now I, I read that it was originally called Wally's Wonderland. Is that true? Yeah. Well, and I, when I, when I first wrote it, it was called Wally's Wonderland and the short film that I did, uh, was called Wally's Wonderland. And then I don't know with, with, uh, something was, it, it, it ended up being like a really lame story with just some sort of copyright, legal thing with wally or whatever so they just it, there was there was wally world and there was wall e the disney thing and so they just changed it to willie's wonderland i think to avoid any of that kind of stuff a lot of like things that i i didn't know about this until the movie was being made but there are a lot of legal lo- loopholes that you have to jump through just to protect yourself and to to protect the film and i, I think that that was one of them that they just yeah, maybe it would have been worth like, oh, let's put up a fight about this just in case. But they're like, nah, you know, the, again, one wrong thing could have ended the whole movie. It's just better to change the vow and move on. And were there any ideas uh, you had written that didn't make it into the film? No, I don't think so. People ask me, are there deleted scenes all the time? And one of the things I say is no, because well, there, there may have been a line here or two here or there cut. Um, uh, but what happened was because there was uh, because the scheduling stuff that we talked about earlier and because of the suit use which we talked about earlier and because of the limited amount of days that we talked about kevin really had to shoot it it, almost in sequence or in in the way that it in the way that it was so there wasn't any time to waste with different scenes or or different characters or different subplots i mean uh, almost everything that was shot in the movie ends up in the film shot during the, the the production ends up in the film um i'm trying to think if there was anything that no i mean i've i've thought about this there's one scene where like in the Artie alligator scene um that there was a scene written i guess it just didn't make the cut where um uh kaylee callen is watches her boyfriend get eaten by the alligator and then she like opens the door that we see Nick kick down later on in the sequence, but she opens that door and she sees Liv and the janitor. And she's like, I want to go home. I get out of here. And then uh, the alligator just grabs her by the hair and just yanks her back in. So I had, I'd written that as like a fun joke, but I, for either it wasn't shot because they didn't have time or uh, it just didn't, it didn't make the final, final cut. So I think if there's anything, it's just that one little part where she runs out, looks at him, gets just dragged back in. And then the, the cut to would be like, live just like, Oh my God. Oh no. And the janitor just not even caring. <laughs> and uh, that urinal stop, was that a homage to American history X? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I wanted originally we had it like we had it. Uh, he had him in the urinal in the, but just for just uh, purposes of like the actual the actual thing is like I, I wanted him to give the the gorilla a, a swirly in the toilet and then 
and then curb stomp them. <laughs> but because of the way, like the, how narrow the uh, the stalls are and all that kind of stuff, it wouldn't have made sense. So they, they changed it to the urinal. It, it ended up working fine. But yeah, that's where I got it. American History X, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think it's safe for a man to consume that many energy drinks in a 24 hour time period? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. And who knows what's like, in that's that stuff. That's a lot. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, the thing is, is like, uh, the, I, like they're, uh, with the janitor, like I wanted to, when I was writing it, I was like, ah, he should have some sort of vice that he likes, but I didn't want it to be too adult like I didn't want it to be like cigarettes or something like that because I knew like hey a bunch of kids are gonna watch the movie I should try and just keep it like kind of more hip and young and stuff so I had it as like a cola that like he just like a like his jolts or whatever and then uh, I think it was a lady named Molly Coffee who did the production design said you know it'd be cool to give us like create our own soda for the whole world and so she was the one that came up with the idea of the the punch pop. And uh, Kevin really liked that, and, and so did I. And uh, yeah, it, it ended up working out that you know now everybody's like they should have marketed that drink. They should have right? found a way I would to, buy to that. create it. I know, yeah, I would totally buy it too. Probably make us go blind after three or four sips, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> be, be worth it. And and like, why after he kills him does he just go back to cleaning? Like he knows he's been trapped. Is it just because a job's a job? Yeah, I mean, he's just doing his job. He doesn't he doesn't care. He thinks that. I would say that the janitor believes that these animatronics are well beneath him and he just wants to, he's, he's honorable and that he has agreed to, um, clean up Willie's Wonderland. And as soon as it's clean in the morning, he gets his car back. So really he just wants to get his car back. And these things are just hassling him. One of the people asked me like, Hey, there's a scene where, um, you know, Liv grabs a knife and she's going to go after Siren Sarah and the janitor stops her. And I was like, yeah, of course the janitor would stop her. He's like, he's not going to, he's not going to have her destroy the property while he's trying to clean it and, and, and like get it done. Like that would, that would make him look bad. Like he's, his whole philosophy is like, don't start none, won't be none. <laughs> so <laughs> if they had just left him alone the whole night, there wouldn't have been an issue. <laughs> And I, I had read in uh, back was I think in February of 2021 there was a sequel being discussed. Is there like has that moved along any further? Yeah, you know we've I had like I will say that I have um, talked to it's Chicken Soup for the Soul that owns Willy's Wonderland. That's the studio that has Willy's Wonderland, and we've we've talked about it many times. I'm going to talk to him about it this coming week and in like a couple days just to kind of figure out a way that we could you know, continue on and, and do it. And, and the thing is, is just like, I wish there would, we be able to just kind of turn them out. John wick style. That'd be great. We'd be on Woo's wonderland four out in <laughs> outer space by now. Um, but fourth one's but always got to go to space. Yeah. We got to get on outer space somehow, but uh, it hasn't been that, uh, uh, it hasn't been that quick and that's nobody's fault. I think that in 2021, a lot of people were still hesitant about, uh, the COVID stuff. And for a budget of that size, if if we were shooting it then or got things going then, they just or didn't know they didn't know what the future of the disease was going to be. So they they were a little bit hesitant. If Nick had if something happened, Nick Cage and he got COVID during the shoot, even during like the original one, I mean, it would have just shut everything down, and it probably would have put the the film out of business. So. I think in 2021, they were a little hesitant about doing it. Then 2022, yeah, we've been talking and I've come up with uh, 
you know, tons of ideas of things that where it can go and things that can be done with it. And everybody seems open to it. So it's just a slow moving process. But I will say that it, it you know, promising. I, it, I'd say it's promising. It's definitely not a, a guarantee by any by any stretch of the imagination. But there's a lot of people out there that would like to see it. And that's, that's what I've, I've tried to get across to people many times. And uh, well, what uh, projects uh, are you working on currently? Doing some more comic books um, with the same people that did Willy's Wonder, the Willy's Wonderland comic books. I figure that that that's something that is within my control and boundaries of easily to get to get uh, to get stuff out. They do a lot of horror stuff. They do a lot of uh, fun things in that genre, and so uh, I'm focusing on some stuff with them again. Uh, 2023, I think we'll see more of it, um, and then a bunch of movies. But it's like I had. It's like I mean. You're basically a vacuum, a vacuum salesman, you know, just knocking on doors. Hey, do you want to buy this movie? Hey, do you want to make this movie? And, and most everybody says, no, 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 until you get to like Nick Cage who says yes. So that's kind of the process I'm in. It's, it's, it's really opened up some opportunities to be able to pursue more stuff. But uh, I wouldn't say that there's anything like specifically on the horizon other than know that I'm like spinning plates everywhere trying to make more stuff happen. Everybody's like, what's going on? What's the next thing? I'm like, I'm trying, guys. I swear. <laughs> and uh lastly uh where where can people find you on social media oh please uh, uh twitter so you uh, go parsons g-o-p-a-r-s-o-n-s uh at so at go parsons and same thing with the instagram at go parsons those are the two best places to find me on the uh on the the social media stuff but uh hopefully I've, i mean we i think we did pretty well answering all the behind the scenes questions i don't know what else anybody would want to know you guys did a great job of uh coming up with this stuff so i'm very well, much thank you. thank you so it. much yeah i i will say i have to thank my fiance because i didn't watch it wasn't my pick she put it on and i was like what's this and and she always knows I'm interested in a movie. Like if 15 minutes in, I'm on my phone, like trying to look up stuff about the movie. She always yells at me, just watch the movie first. And she was <laughs> like, oh, you like this movie. I'm like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, it's like I Willie's is definitely playing the long game with a lot of people. And it's been a lot of uh, word of mouth and a lot of people just spreading the good word and being kind about it. So, uh, John, Drew, I really appreciate you guys doing the same thing. I, I just I truly do appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate and, and, you for yeah, coming we, on, we, man. We Thank definitely you. enjoyed having you on. Hopefully, we'll get a Willie's Wonderland too. And I preach. mean, we, at least at least we have the comics coming out. So that's true. Let's preach it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we and we definitely love to talk to you again in the future. And uh, yeah, just thank, thank thank you for being on again. Absolutely. Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Thank you again for Geo Parsons for joining us today. And uh, up next week, we have it's coming out on Shutter on September 15th, but we're going to have it for you September 12th. Speak No Evil, directed by Christian Tradiff, and we're going to have an interview with him as well next week. So we make sure to wait to in. talk about it either, my God. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't like to spoil how we feel about movies, but. You need to watch it when this movie comes out. Yeah. That's all that's all I'll say for now. But make sure to follow us online at High on Horror 420, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Check out our website, highonhorror.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and you'll get episodes like next week and you know our guest announcements emailed directly to your inbox. 
Uh, you can also send us some Puff Puff Ask questions for next week at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. And uh, I guess I'll about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye, everybody.